but I played the shit out of those Mega Man Battle Network games, and I loved them, and I loved the art design and the gameplay and every aspect of them to the point where it's like, oh yeah, I really am. It's just my Mega Man is not, like, is the weird Mega Man sure. outlier. Yours is Cell, or whoever he is. And also because we're talking about uh, which version of Mega Man is nearest and dearest to us, you're probably listening to the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And I'll tell you what the show's about, but I intentionally uh, interrupted Kyle because it seemed like a fun spot. But I do want you to finish your thoughts. So, yeah, you like the weird beard Mega Man, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the weird, you know, I mean, borderline Persona-esque Mega Man because, you know, you're really, you're, you're play. it's like the system is really split between the JRPG where you're half the game is you walking around talking to people in the real world and slowly, you know, you know. As a middle school kid with just your buds and the other half is, oh no, something is is dangerously wrong in this otherwise utopian futuristic setting because of evil hackers. And so you have to go and use your alternate personality. I mean, not that's not alternate personality. You have to use your – the relationship between people and their – uh, digital avatars is very complicated, but anyway, you're using your digital avatar slash best friend slash possible brother whose DNA is just cybernetic uh, to go and uh, you know restore order to the universe. And fuck, did I love it! Uh, also, the reason apparently that Nintendo games started out so hard is because, or at least I don't know if this is true, but I've always heard this is that um, you know the logic of video games grew up in. Uh, arcades and of course the arcade system is so if you think about the original Mega Man as being like well we originally thought we were going to charge people a quarter per life to play this game then all of a sudden it makes a lot more sense well and similarly uh the first Mega Man game is the only one in the entire series that keeps a score because yeah I think they must have designed it with the idea of like good luck getting through all of it you know you will we'll give you points to see how far you got but yeah these these six robot masters are too much for you and dear listener if all of that has been gibberish let me tell you you probably just listened to the wrong podcast i'm gonna be honest with you you know like we're not gonna explain all that and if, if you're already feeling alienated i don't know go watch the big bang theory i guess which is the television series we talk about and then come back and listen to us because you'll like it more i guess i don't know yeah, but yeah, just to be we, clear, we don't owe you anything, people who listen to our show, who we always threaten to charge money, but then we re- remember just how poor of a quality we do when it comes to engaging with our fans or delivering a consistent, satisfying product. Yeah, but the thing is, is like I think we really need to also accept that there are people, so many more, with even lower standards than us who succeed because they don't have that awareness and self-doubt, but... Um, I want to say that's not what this podcast is about, but it really is what it's about, isn't it? When we really like get down to its core, that's that's what we're doing here. But we also watch, discuss, pick apart, and mostly avoid trying to talk about the, this television show. And uh, today's episode is uh, officially Season 6, Episode 17, titled The Monster Isolation, which I know we haven't like actually put any thought into the official title names and how they relate to the episode. But this one stands out to me as being really a lame, like, I don't know. Maybe it's, I haven't been paying attention and yeah, it's I blanked out. What's the name of the title? Cause I've stopped the, paying attention to them. What's the name the of the title? monster isolation? Oh yeah. Right. Do they even, they don't even talk. Like 
I don't think there's a point in the episode. I mean, I get what that's a reference to, but I don't think the word monster is used in this Never. episode. No, it's it's pretty uh, tenuous. But, you know, let's make it less so as much as we can. Uh, also, we've given up on the rating system a long time ago. But, uh, okay, I'm going to front load my feelings about this. Kyle, join me if you will. But honest Nick Hyde feeling? Yeah. I think I really liked this one. All right. Uh, Okay. I guffawed twice. Oh. Like I it's it's rare that I laugh out loud at this show, but something there's a couple bits today where I did in fact enjoy myself. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh yeah, I there were a couple moments I thought were good. I will tell you, I will front load my entire uh feeling about this episode is inextricably linked up. Uh, a word I use a lot, and I think in the wrong context. I don't know that inextricably means what I think it means, but whatever. It is It is linked up with uh, my feelings for Dirtbag Raj, who, uh, <laughs> who I think is better than regular Raj across yes. a number of levels. So I don't – like, they had a chance. They found the definitive version of Raj, and they were just too cowardly to stick with it, whereas – uh, I think I think that was the process. I think that will go down in history as one of the greatest missed opportunities on the show. Well, and also like I think part, a big part of the reason I like this episode so much is that, um, as as creepy as Raj usually is in this episode, he's at his most likable, most vulnerable, and if you're a pathetic nerd like me, uh, most relatable. And I think. Him having his uncomfortable dating experience, that we'll talk about in more detail in a moment, is much more representative of the kinds of awkward, nerding, nerdy dating situations that I've seen out in the world than, you know, the main relationship of the show, which is, I have a hot neighbor, how will we ever possibly connect, waka waka. So, um, no, I feel like this is like a good episode of TV Kind yes. of like buried in a in an unfortunate shell. <laughs> I have to give you like I hadn't I had forgotten that I had this observation, but I do remember thinking, ah, oh, this suddenly like this situation feels a lot more relatable than it normally does. Yeah. Well, so let's describe the situation and Which God help me now that I have said that out loud. But whatever. <laughs> so I think as far as A and B plots go, uh this one I Maybe I was just zoning out as much of the B-plot as good, but I felt it was a surprisingly coherent, straightforward narrative and sort of a fake-out two-parter because the last episode was the Valentine's Day episode. And because episodes, any two episodes of this show are otherwise so completely unmoored from each other that you could probably shuffle them in any order and still come out with the same degree of coherence in any season of this TV show... Um, this has, uh, it's an introduction summarizing the end of the last episode. And I was like, is this going to be an immediate follow-up? No. The Big Bang Theory just knows that you're not going to remember fuck all from a week ago and that you really need the help. Which I guess maybe I appreciate, but it was, it stood out to me. But the follow-up is that, yeah, last week, um, on the show, was the Valentine's Day episode. And at the end of it, Raj helps get together a big old gaggle of nerds at the comic shop to have a pathetic singles night, but then he ends up meeting a lady at the very end of it, inviting her out for coffee, uh, and then they go on their, their coffee date, and that's where it blacks out. 
beginning of this episode is they're on the coffee date. It's going well enough, though incredibly awkward. And um, Lady, Kate Micucci, gets up, goes to the bathroom, and uh, flees through a window, and, and Raj sees her uh, walk. Well, I don't know if he sees her immediately. No, he but... doesn't see her. He does the much more sad thing of presumably sitting in that, uh, sitting in Starbucks. that Starbucks for, you know, several more minutes, probably 10 to 15 minutes before finally being like, well, I hope she's okay in there. Like doing the thing with himself where he debates what, like how long he should wait before he should knock on the door. Cause he doesn't want to embarrass her about. How yeah. Long do, you, do you check on the bathroom of someone that you just met or do you just sit in silence for another hour? Yeah, they've been, <laughs> they've been in the bathroom a long time, but it's your first date, man. You know, you don't know what's going on or, so finally he goes and he checks and he discovers, no, she has crawled through, as he points out, a very high and narrow window. So she must have been quite desperate to escape. Which is, I thought, a very funny observation, the way he puts it. Also, though, would have been more troubling if Kate Micucci were not such a tiny, narrow person herself. Yes, like, So I was like, if all this size of people to go through a high, narrow window, like, she's going to nail it, but... But yeah, so that's the, the the date seems to be going fine right up until she flees. And so the bulk of the episode is Raj uh, really having a hard time of the rebound. He becomes a complete hermit such that Wallowitz is like, I'm genuinely worried about him. Let's send a small search party over to see him. And as, as Kyle has brought up, we get to see dirtbag Raj, who at first is at least clothed, though his his shirt is, is covered in stains, the apartment is rife with leftovers and trash. Um, Bernadette says something about how you can feel the stink in your eyes, which I also thought was pretty good. Yes, um, which did, they didn't need to explain, like I think we've, we've, we both know exactly what that means. Yeah. But, you know, Raj, uh, He's having a, uh, a a reaction I am not unfamiliar with, which is, oh, a date didn't go well. The most natural response to this is to extricate myself from humanity. Like, this is proof that uh, I am just not meant to socialize with anyone. And so me and my shame are just going to hide inside. Um, and in Raja's case, eating a lot of lobster and just kind of moping around. <laughs> And um, on this first uh, visit, they don't resolve anything. They don't help him. They're just like, man, all right, like, if this is what you want to do, like, we're not going to drag you out of your hobbit hole. But, you know, let us know if you need anything, Raj. And they just leave him be. Um, And uh, not skipping around, I guess just to wrap up the whole A-plot, in a later scene, uh, most of the other dude nerds are at the comic book shop hanging out. And they run into Kate Micucci, the bandit. And uh, she hands them a note to, to Ham Taraj and explains that, hey, I didn't mean to totally bail on your friend. I myself am just an anxious freak. And so that was the whole thing there. No harm meant. I just panicked and fled. And so I think it's Wallowitz delivers the note to Raj. And at first he's like, I give no fucks. That woman broke my heart. Take this note away. I don't even want the temptation of succumbing to talking to her because I just, I'm done. But then, oh, and at this point, Raj no longer bothers with clothes. He is in a lobster bib in his tidy whities 
Um, but also, uh, with his hair tousled, he's looking a little cute, I think. I think that yeah. hairstyle works for him, if I'm being honest. It absolutely does. Um, and then, yeah, so the, the immediate scene after Wallowitz leaves with the, the note and phone number in tow is uh, Raj in his bib and tidy whities running down the street, uh, begging Wallowitz to, to stop and give him the number. So, and he does indeed follow up with her. They don't so much have a date as much as they just have an awkward, here's what actually happened conversation. And, um, in what is also a remarkably relatable situation, uh, Raj, when finding out that she fled because of anxiety, is like, hey, hey, not a big deal. Let me break, let me be real with you. I'm all sorts of fucked up. Don't even worry about it. The only reason we can talk right now is because I'm a functional alcoholic, and if you have one date with me, you're going to see it so much worse than it is. And also similar to Nick Hyde's life, it works. Um, and they don't go on the date at the end of the episode, but uh, that is presumed to be the next step. And um, I think, I can't remember the first thing that made me laugh out loud, but the second thing was leading up to the conversation uh, when Kate Makuchu comes over, knocks on the door, as Raj is coming up to answer it, um, he says something like, hang on a sec, and then immediately says, who says hang on a sec? God, I hate myself! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that was that made me laugh a lot. So, uh, that is all of the A plot. And it's the beat of the episode, and I like it. I like it a lot. B plot, um, kind of having a harder time recalling off the top of my head, but it is starts with... Uh, I actually like that this continues to come up. Sheldon um, is at, he's committing to the bit, and he still has his I don't YouTube whatever it is show uh, about flags, and he has Penny on as a guest to add a human element to the show, and she tries to give him tips on how to open up a bit and be more natural in front of the camera, and it's weird because like. He is terrible at it. Hey, hey, you want to know what it is? To much comic effect, huh? Am I right? That wacky Sheldon? But also, like, in a strange bit of, like, zero defensiveness or ego, he's genuinely appreciative for the advice. And so the B-plot is really just him being like, wow, Penny really did me a favor there. I have no idea how to respond to the situation. And Amy telling him over video call because she must have like not wanted to drive to the lot that week. Um, being like, no, no, no. You're supposed to tell her you appreciate her. And then he does. And she's like, oh, come to my play. And he's like, that sucks. Why would I do that? In another very relatable moment. Um, and then he goes back to Amy who's like, no, no, no. You know, she did a nice thing for you. It'd be nice to go see the play. Um, it's a streetcar named Desire. He's really excited about the prospect of streetcars, so he takes the he takes the bait. And the end of the episode is them going to watch her play, and um, everyone being, you know, pretty impressed with Penny's acting, and Sheldon just waiting to see those streetcars. Um, that's most of it. Kyle, any big plot elements that I left out of there? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, the episode ends with the button of, it's weird that she can remember all of her lines. Uh, oh, but, this, but can't remember play, to can't leave remember the tomato off yeah, my hamburger. Tomato on my hamburger. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, um, I, I don't 
really have complaints about this episode. Like, something that I wanted to complain about was there's a joke in the beginning that, you know, is just a racial joke, but I don't think it's a racist joke, which is when Sheldon is introducing the Nebraska episode of his his flag talk, which... Oh, it's fun with flags. That's the name of the show. Um Ooh, I can't remember what the previous episode was that he was doing, but he apparently dressed up as George Washington Carver um, before Leonard told him it could be considered "quote unquote" wildly racist. Yeah, um, I thought that Sheldon was cute. Was wearing, I mean, did you assume that meant Sheldon was wearing blackface? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's in blackface. There's no way around it. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, like, I was ready to be annoyed, um, and nonetheless, it, it ended up winning me over. I, I, I had a good time with this one. Um, I, again, like, I, I still want more Kate Micucci. I'm glad, there, I'm glad there was a little bit more of her, but I just know that she's really funny, and I am, again, like, ah, you're underutilizing her. Like, I hope that she sticks around for a bit and becomes a bit more involved, because... Yeah, she she is a talent, and it's like seeing a bomb waiting to go off, and I'm just so frustrated that she's not allowed to do more. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wish I could make fun of Penny's acting, but she actually does fine. It's it's all great. Everyone's happy. I guess um, something that was kind of fun is, like I mentioned, Penny does give Sheldon tips on being more natural in front of the camera which he like something that she says that he takes very literally is like you know if you sit all slouched down and forward with your shoulders closed you look like you're closing people off but if you sit kind of back and with your body in an open posture you know you look more open and inviting you're welcoming people into a conversation so Sheldon interprets this as like spreading his legs and body as far apart as possible while conspicuously touching Penny to make some sort of human connection. Um, And you know what? That's the Sheldon I'm here for. The Sheldon that legitimately does not understand social interactions and needs that kind of walk through to to help him with it. I don't know. Kyle, is there... I'm so used to saying shitty things and I can't do it right now. What's it? Be mean. Say something horrible about this episode. Uh, okay. Um. I thought Penny looked nice. Oh, that wasn't it. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was, uh, my observation, my next observation was going to be, uh, it's funny because Raj's uh, predicament sort of, it's a weird, uh, presage of, uh, the, you know, life during COVID because there's a whole conversation where they're like, you can't just live in your apartment with no contact with the outside world. It's like, eventually you're going to have to leave if just to get groceries or something. It's like, Oh no, absolutely not. Did you know that you can order all of your groceries on Amazon now? Uh, I can live in this apartment without ever having to leave it again. And the other nerds are like, Oh, that's weird. I didn't know they did overnight delivery of groceries. Yeah, none of them are, like, in any way concerned or offended by the idea. They're all like, oh, maybe Raj is onto something here. And even Sheldon later, when hearing that Raj has become a total shotgun, um, a shut-in, he's like, oh, wow, he finally got it. Oh, I've been waiting to do that my whole life. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Um, and it doesn't last because, you know, 
a horny energy unites us all, but he he, he spends the episode a shut-in at least, so. Ah, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's so much easier to talk at length about these episodes when they're bad, but, like, maybe is this one where we just kind of take the W and move on to things that we also like? Or is there anything else you want to talk about with this episode? It's refreshing for me. Okay. I mean, as long as you're... Well, I was... So let's just talk about... Let's do the uncomfortable work of talking about what was so... There were so many things that were relatable in this episode. So Raja's general, like, sense of despair and questioning of, you know, whether or not he's ever going to be socially... uh, acceptable or if he's just going to give up uh you know we don't have to get dark but that was interesting but also like you said just his bonding over uh with uh the this girl uh, what's her name in the show i have no idea i'm not sure if they've said it out loud i don't think they've told us i'm I'm just relieved i know who the actual actor is because i have no clue what the character is (laughs) yeah so um Yeah, I don't think uh, I think all that is is pretty nice. And you talked about um, that. Also, though, I thought there was a pretty well written little bit between Sheldon and Penny, where when he's like, "I have now realized that it is a social obligation. I should come to this play," and she's like, "No, I don't want that. I want you to want to come to the play." Mm. He's like, "Okay, quick question: Am I allowed to want to come to the play because I have to want to come to the play? <laughs> Does that count?" As wanting to come. And she's like, she's like, I don't know, just do whatever you, you know, do whatever. And he's like, do whatever I want or whatever I need to. And he's just like, and finally yeah. she's like, yes, come to it. And he's like, okay, just as long as we've acknowledged that I'm doing something that I don't want. It's like, that's so much more clear. And I was just like, I think that's a, that's a fair, uh, I think we've all been in that place where we are not only required to do something, but requ- required to, like, feign interest in something yeah it's like as someone who has had to spread the curse that is the invite to a a first semester improv comedy show um i i know uh how how awful it is to be in the position of wanting to support a friend and also having being in a situation where you can't make it clear that you really don't want to be there. <laughs> like, you, like, like, I think in any situation, like, where it is a creative pursuit in particular, um, yeah, like, you can't just show up. Because if you show up and you're like, I didn't like it, then you're somehow a shittier friend than if you weren't there at all. So you have to... And Sheldon, the way of describing it, I think, again, I really like him in this episode. Like, he, he really is stripping it down to... Like, he recognizes that it's a social obligation and that he wants to fulfill the social obligation and wants to know if it's okay. Like, can we agree that I'm just needing to do this? Huh? Is that where we'll meet in the middle? (sighs) Okay. So now I think we've... Yeah. I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but this was... uh... You know, this was a good episode in that at no point watching it did I ever want to, like, claw my skin off and climb out of it just to get away, so. Yeah, well, like, I even, um, I don't know why, I've just, like, I had a headache for, like, the last 24 hours, um, and so I went into it even in kind of a bad mood, like, ready to really latch on to things to be mad about, 
Nothing doing. Good episode. Sorry, all of the internet that listens to this all. You know what? Like 2,000, 3,000 monthly people? That's great. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it was good. What do you want me to say? Let's talk about things that we also like, I guess. In addition to the Big Bang Theory. Um, I have a weird hodgepodge that I'm going to get into this week. Would you prefer I go first, or do you have something that you want to start with? I'll go with mine because it's simple. Uh, okay. And because I feel like you will be more than happy to uh, to contribute to it. Because uh, I'd, I'd oh, be surprised oh. if, this, if this wasn't something you were also a fan of. And then we can just... Uh, then we can just uh, move on. All right. Because um, it's kind of – so today in making the most norm core recommendation possible, <laughs> uh, I uh, I finally caved after a long period of reticence that I don't re- – I can't really explain where it came from. And I started watching Archer. Oh. And I like Archer a lot. Archer's a good show so far. I'm pretty early in. I don't know. There are a lot of seasons. So who, yes. who can say – uh, how well the continuity, but the first two seasons of Archer have been pretty. Two and a half seasons of Archer have been pretty delightful. Yeah, so that show, I think, it does have diminishing returns, as I think is true of like a lot of, you know, just but any long running program, but any long running animated comedy certainly. Yeah, but uh, it starts out strong, and it stays strong for a while. Like, I've tapped out, not at any point because I stopped enjoying it. I just kind of, like, lost track. But, yeah, it's uh, solid comedy. I think it's, well, and I forget, I don't know if it's Adam Reed, like, really takes the the front on that show. or I thought he had, like, a pair, but it's, I had known about him prior to watching Archer because he did um, C-Lab 2021, uh, which I was a huge fan of. And it it feels to me like Archer is like him really refining the style that he started doing back then. But I don't know. Now I I feel like I took over just now. (laughs) No, that's fine. I was going to say, I started... uh... Like, the one that I obviously watched, which is even more like that, like, it is basically just proto-Archer, was there was this show called Frisky Dingo that only yes. ran for, like, two seasons, which is both in animation style and general tone and tenor is almost basically the exact same show. Like, you could probably, like... Uh, in fact, I'm sure most of the voice actors are, you know, probably similar, too. Oh, absolutely, um, yes. <laughs> but, uh... Anyway, since I didn't, I, like I said, I feel like most people know what Archer is because it's not like a, it's not like a hidden gem of a show. But just in case, Archer is uh, an animated series about an incredibly, uh, I was gonna say incompetent, but he's not quite. It's not incompetent, just so much as deeply careless or and uncaring uh, secret agent. Yes, who does not give a shit about doing his job well in the slightest. Um, and his name is Sterling Mallory Archer, and he works for a top secret organization. Uh, well, not even that top secret. He just works for an organization, uh, along with several of his peers and his boss is his mom. And, 
and and you know it's funny because i am told you know i know enough about the show to know that a lot of this premise eventually like gets exploded so they can just do more freeform like genre stuff in other uh or more freeform exploration of other genres besides the spy genre. But at the beginning, it is very committed to, like, you know, being sort of, like, frat boy James Bond. Um, Yeah, I think, like, the first at least three, maybe four seasons are committed to that premise before they start doing, like, what GTA does and does, like, a different hot time period for every season. (laughs) Well, but that's part of the joy of of archer in the beginning is realizing that even like as i was watching even at the beginning i slowly like came to realize like oh there's no actual like like they're deliberately like fucking with us about a lot of things for like the it's it all of the references to like technology or to like politics and culture and movies and stuff make it seem like it's set in the modern day but their main adversaries are still the soviet union and like all of their computer technology like runs on old like you know uh discs and everything like that and you know at one point there's a whole episode set in a blimp so it's just like i'm not saying that like it's deliver. it's just like a mashup of various spy tropes without regard to how they would fit in like a consistent time period um that reminds me kind of, i can't remember if this was said about archer or or if it was a different show i think it actually was archer one of the creators explaining like someone is asking what time period it takes place in and i think he said whatever time period is funniest yes um yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, so I guess that sort of, you know, that sort of makes sense because it's sort of a, I mean, it's not really a deconstruction of James Bond, but just like James Bond has supposedly been sort of the same guy for like 50 years across radically different time periods. Archer just sort of like mashes all all up into a single show. The other thing that's really funny and weird about Archer, um, well, there's lots of stuff, but the, the thing that I appreciate the most is is a lot of that show's about, like, spy and action tropes, but a surprising amount of that show appears to be written by someone who is deeply familiar with, like, office and HR politics in a way that not even The Office really often delved into. Like, so many episodes, uh, at least in the first couple of seasons, revolve around things like, hey, who's in charge of our 401ks and how is that being managed? Or, what is our company healthcare plan again? Really? Do we all have, like, do we have uh, HSAs or is it, you know, is it a group insurance plan? Like, what does that do? Like, one of the main, like, the two of the main supporting cast are the the secret fictional organization's accountant uh, and the secret fictional organization's HR director. And, like, the conversations that they have around managing the HR and the... Uh, the implications of the uh, of the economics of running a small business are so faithful to my own experience in similar <laughs> circumstances that I'm like somebody who's writing this show before they were writing this show like worked at like a small to mid level thirty employee company making these kinds of decisions and that's how like and the humor of that like strangely infects the show in a weird way uh, but I appreciate it. Uh, I also appreciate just how, like, um, and I guess you're right. Now that I know that it's from the guy who did C-Lab 2021, this makes a lot more sense. But uh, so much, like, you meet characters who initially appear, like, Archer is obviously not a grounded character. But in a show like 
uh, you know, even a show I really like, like BoJack Horseman, it's usually like there's one character who gets to be the ungrounded asshole, and then every other character is required to be like grounded or normal by comparison. Mm-hmm. And in Archer, that is not the case. You quickly <laughs> come to find out that no any character, no matter how you think they are supposed to represent the normie character on the show or the voice of reason in the show, they are all in fact crazy pants like the like i said the grounded accountant is quickly revealed to be like you know a borderline alcoholic and a deep deep sex addict with a gigantic dong yes and the hr lady (laughs) it's just like crazy and of course fame the most fun character is probably the secretary who (laughs) again in a weird like in a weird forward facing almost like the weirdest thing about the show is just it anticipates I feel like uh, a tropes and a style of humor that would not become mainstream for at least another five or six years before, uh, like in the first season of Archer, like a pretty serious chunk of the jokes about the secretary is that she can only, uh, she can only come while she's being choked during sex. And actually she prefers the choking to anything of the actual penetration. That's just most of that's just most of sex for her. She needs to be choked and choked very hard. Uh, and that's like such a dark, like, but like, I well, can see it, that, but progressive take on a character. Well, and when you say that, like, and that's one of the first, like, main features of her, and it's, it ends up being one of the least weird things about her. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, easily. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I like Archer. It's so pretty good well-written show like i'm not saying anything that other people i think didn't already know but i am also on the on board now at least for now well i think it's every now and then good to check in with things that are already popular because i mean it's you you've made fun of me for it multiple times because it's true that some things hit a certain degree of popularity and it's like oh if so many people like it it probably is kind of boring um, and Archer is one of those that did get really popular, but yeah, it's nonetheless uh, somehow great. It's weird that it has such broad appeal, considering like how over the top everything is. But uh, still, it's great. Love it. Um, all right. Well, I guess it's my turn. So, uh, you know, last time we checked in, I was starting to play Bayonetta, and I didn't quite have my opinion ready. But two weeks have passed. I have had uh, some more time to reflect and ponder. And I am happy that uh, with two more weeks of thinking on it, I can, without reservation, recommend Bloodborne, the old Hunter DLC. You know what? I can't honestly say that I'm replaying Bloodborne. Because the thing is, I just play Bloodborne now. I, I, I don't stop playing it. I, I, I know everything, all the, all the maps where every item is. I, I, it's now just a matter of how efficiently I can get through it, and I love it. Um, and I finally cracked, which I, it's ridiculous I didn't do this much longer ago, and I finally bought the, the Old Hunters DLC, which effectively just adds one additional area, but that area uh, nonetheless has substantive lore that... Uh, explains you know the fundamental parts of the main game you get a whole bunch of other uh enemies and weapons uh it's ridiculously difficult in a game that is already ridiculously difficult so that's all fun 
but that's gonna that's gonna be one of my three part thing here. Part two, yeah, Bayonetta. It's just not fun. I wish I could say something. It's like there are so many little nitpicky things that make it not fun. But and again, I don't want to say it's a bad game. It's just like they've they've they kind of made a lazy attempt at making it open world. And things that used to be very straightforward and efficient are now, like, unlocked through a series of skill trees because they just wanted to put, like, an additional layer of complexity on something that really already worked well to begin with. I think the most offensive thing is that you can no longer equip things individually on your hands and feet. That makes me... I know that is a weird specific thing to be upset about but I always think of Bayonetta as the cool fucking witch that can put whatever she wants on her hands and her feet and if you're telling me that I can't hold a whip in my hands and have a fucking pair of rocket launchers that are named in the game Lieutenant Sergeant Kilgore on my legs I don't want it I don't want it um okay so Bayonetta feelings I'm slogging through it but it is the least of the Bayonettas I'm calling it on that and then what I'm going to actually recommend a new thing um and the reason this is a three-part because i'm going to recommend it and say almost nothing about it uh is the movie barbarian which if you like scary movies and you pay attention to that all at all online you've probably already heard about it um it had a theatrical run it might still be in theaters i'm not sure but it also came to streaming on hbo like two weeks ago and uh, how I became familiar with it is just people I follow on Twitter whose opinions I uh, enjoy and usually align with started recommending it, but they all said, hey, you need to see this movie, and it's better if you know nothing about it. Uh, that was consistent. And so all I'm going to say is that Barbarian is a fun movie, and you should watch it if, you all, if, if you're at all into horror movies. Uh, well, you could- is it streaming or is it? It is streaming now on HBO. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which um, is lovely. It's like I, I I was willing to go out to the theater and see it on the big screen. Actually, kind of looking forward to it, but life got in the way, you know. Um, it's but yeah, it's on HBO, and so I won't I won't because I am not looking up the plot. I just did a quick Google of like who directed it to see what else he's done and it was directed by one of the three original members of the whitest kids you know oh i well so i what you will i i saw that whoever it was this is their first feature film i didn't know they were in that group too but that's cool i like it i was gonna say oh maybe i should at least tell you like the bare bones what's it about but you know no just going blind it's uh it's a lot of fun but only reason I wouldn't recommend it is if you don't like horror movies. Like, it is unambiguously a horror movie. So, um, but if you're into that, yeah, absolutely go check it out. Huh. I feel weird. Like, we, I, you know, whenever we're starting to wrap up an episode, I always kind of feel like whew, we got through another one. You know, somehow we kept our wits about us and <laughs> made it through another ordeal trying to talk about this thing that neither of us really enjoy or care about but I I have a much more positive outlook today I feel I feel good and I don't know what to do with this energy I can't I can't do my normal like ah fuck off everyone see you in two weeks how how do we positively end this
Uh, I don't know. We could just continue to talk about nerd shit until we slowly fade out. Yeah, I guess we could do that. Uh, I mean, you want to talk a little more about Mega Man? 